one of the scriptures for today, and if you have, if you look at it, the scripture today has, the, the lectionary has a bunch of scriptures every day. And uh, the one for today, both Ezekiel and, and Matthew, are very interesting in that they relate to exactly where we have been with the trip. And uh, it wasn't planned by us that way. We didn't do any of it. So let me, let me back up. Last year, when we were in Bahrain with Watchmen, the Lord did something very amazing between the Arab Christians from Israel and the Messianic believers, Christians from Israel. And when we think about a nation, the church of that nation is made up of the people that live on that land. Make sense? So the church of Rome, back in the days of Paul, would have been the believers in Rome, both Roman and Jewish. Israeli, Israelite. At the time we used to call them Israelites. Now we call them Israelis. Okay, so the Israelis of today, in other words, anybody who has Israeli citizenship is made up of Arab Christians, Arab Muslims, Jewish believers, and Jewish Christian believers, and Jewish non-believers, right? The people in Israel, those are the two big groups. But there's also, in Jerusalem, an Armenian quarter, there's also missionaries and other delegates from nations that have gone to live in Israel. So when we think of the Church of Israel, it's made up of all the believers of Jesus in Israel. In Canada, we have the Church in Canada, and it's made up of the Catholic Church, the Orthodox Church, the many different Orthodox Churches, the Armenian, the Greek, the Ukrainian, the Romanian, the Russian, all of them that believe in Jesus. Now we can argue some of them are nominal. They're simply Christians by name, but they don't have a relationship. Well, I would prefer that we don't judge people, but leave the judgment to God. But if they claim that they are Christians, we receive them as our brothers and sisters. Are you okay with that? I think so, right? Because we, are no, we have no way of judging the heart. So we believe and we receive and we extend grace and we walk together as one family. Different expressions. You know, we don't have incense and bells and, and, you know, all those different things here at City River. But we honor the people that do. We don't stand against them and say they're non-believers. There are some who do those things that don't believe. They do them as a profession. That's my career. That's my job. That's God's business, not ours. But there are people in the pews that are believers in every single expression of the church. And the church in Canada is made up of all of those, including us. And in some evangelical churches that we believe are very effective, powerful churches, spirit-filled, there are people that just don't believe. They show up because it's their custom. So we don't judge those. We receive everyone who says, I am a Christian, I believe in Jesus, as our brother or our sister. Amen? So in Armenia, when we went, uh, sorry, back up. When we were in Bahrain, we saw God do something amazing between the two halves 
the main halves, the two main halves, can you have less than main halves? The two main portions of the people of the Church of Israel. So we were looking for a space, a country that would receive their passports, both Arab and Israelis. So we put a list together of countries that can do that, where travel would be easy for them, it wouldn't be days and days of travel, and it would be convenient and easy for them to get their passports through customs. So we identified Armenia, Turkey, Cyprus, uh, Emirates, what else? I think those were the main. There were five or six countries. And you know I have Armenia on my heart. We are City River and we have an Armenian congregation and we have an English congregation. And that's part of who we are. And uh, the Tuni, the, the does that mean anything to anybody? The Tuni, the $2 coin, is what the Lord had spoken to us about. And uh, we have understood that we are to function as a Tuni here at City River. And the Tuni is two metal mixed together. They're not mixed together as one metal, but they're two distinct. So you can see the silver and the gold of the, the Tuni. So we as City River, if we function that way, the silver and the gold need to be expressed. So the Armenian is one of them, and the English is one of them. And as we function that way, we don't know if God is going to add a trini and make us three or a fruni. I don't know what it's going to be or a fiveni. I don't know, but it is what it is. You're tracking, right? Yeah. By the way, that's one of the, D, uh, the things that the DJ says. Are you with me? Are you with me tonight? Anyway, some of you may have seen that meme. Anyway, so we were looking for a country that would allow that. And... Uh, I was asked, do you have anybody that you know in Armenia that can help us find a place for 300 people? It started with 200, and then it went to 250, and then it went to 300. And the higher the number goes, the more difficult it is to find a place that can host everybody, because one of the key things is that we like to have everybody eat together. Not just meet in a room for the session, but spend time interacting in the fellowship where most of the things that happen between people happen. It's wonderful when we're together and it's vertical, but we want to be together and be horizontal. You know what I mean by that? We want to be able to interact together. So it's great to have the space, and most convention centers have space for three, four, five hundred people, but not necessarily the capacity to feed them. So we were looking for something very unique. So anyway, we, found, and we ran into some problems. In August, we were almost there, and then the contracts weren't being signed. There were some complications, pricing, and this and that. And again, I was just hands off. I don't want to push anything. I want to wait and see how God is going to bring this together. And he did. So now we're at the middle of August, planning for a November meeting. So we have September, October, and November. So we have about 90 80 to 90 days to get ready. And in those 80 or 90 days, there was a lot of things going on. 20 days into it, there was a war that broke out between Azerbaijan and Armenia. 30 days into it, the war was almost over and the people were now being ushered out of Azerbaijan, walking, being pushed out by driving and walking to Armenia from Azerbaijan. The leaders of the Azerbaijan community of Armenians, Armenians call it Artsakh, 
politically, it's called Nagorno-Karabakh. And there's 120,000 people that are now being pushed out. It's an ugly situation because it reminds Armenians of the genocide that took place in the early part of the 20th century. It was very similar. People being told that this is not your land, you don't belong here, people being pushed out, some people being arrested. And uh, there's about 200 Armenian people that have been arrested and kept in Azerbaijan and in Pakistan that have been sort of taken off the top of the leadership of the Artsakh community. So all of that is going on. Whenever we go somewhere, watchmen, we don't just show up. We spend time ahead of time visiting, getting to know the people, connecting with the leaders, establishing a platform of relationship horizontal so that it can handle the weight of the vertical. You with me? Okay. None of that happened with Armenia. We just showed up. And, uh, you know, I've been wondering, why are we not doing this? I talked to David. David and I had planned to go and travel ahead of time. Our schedules, our lives, circumstances in both his life and mine didn't allow for that. So we didn't end up going anywhere. Meanwhile, we're two weeks out and we realize we're showing up in a country and we have nobody from that country joining us as part of the welcoming us into the land, as part of being with us, connecting with us so that we can together stand before the presence of God. It was very much like we were just renting a hotel, the whole country was a hotel, where we were renting a hotel to go and do our thing. We've never done it that way. It felt really odd. And when we realized, we felt terrible. David felt terrible. The administration team felt terrible. So we scrambled to connect with people that we know, to connect with people that they know, and we can build a platform for the Lord. We made a list. It wasn't a long list. It was people, some of the people that we had seen before when Aaron, Silva, and I went in 2017. And then another group had gone in 2019 that was part of our Ararat Awakening team. So, but still, we didn't know who we were going to meet. And then I started to connect with people that I had known in the past that live in Armenia today. The Kupelians. Where's Huri? She was just here. Ruth and uh, Betty and, and the rest of them that were in Montreal that were, you grew up with back in Lebanon. Ruth had now moved and is living in Armenia. Wonderful. We can connect with Ruth. She's part of a GLOW Ministries. And uh, she's been working with others, especially some of the people from Artsakh that have been displaced. So all of that is coming together. So as we're building and we're sort of waiting and, and trying to figure out what God is going to do, a number of people start sending me dreams and prophetic words about what they've been praying about. The church group that we are connected with in Egypt had been praying for about six weeks before the gathering in Armenia. And the gathering has, has been called Kings and Priests Gathering, Armenia 2023. Kings and Priests. So they've been praying and they've been sort of expecting and they've been waiting and they've been sensing things. And as they've been sensing things, they've been writing them down. One of the people that we had traveled to Armenia with, Lena, calls me up in a very urgent, you know, her heart is full. 
And, and she says to me, I'm, I've seen this dream. I don't know what it means, but I'm praying that it has something to do with the trip. And the dream was, she's in this big exhibit hall. And there's these paintings or these different things that are on the wall. And one of them is covered. And she goes up to it, she's looking at it, and all of a sudden, someone lifts a curtain, and the painting is unveiled, and the painting is Armenia. So it started to make sense that on the radar of the rest of the church, Armenia is hidden. And that's exactly what it felt like for Silva and I on our different calls with the different people preparing to go to Armenia. Two Sundays ago I was with you, and up until that point, the people that were going, we had never had a meeting where we discussed Armenia. We discussed all the other things, what God is doing, what God is saying, the war in Israel, the war in Hamas, with Hamas. We mentioned once and we prayed once for the war in Armenia, and I don't want to push because I could be seen as biased. But I'm waiting, and I, I knew that I didn't, I wasn't meant to be pushing. The Lord made that very clear. It's not that I was lazy, it's just that I felt, don't push. We had pushed in the past. And uh, the Lord spoke to us and told us, stop pushing. When the time is right, it will happen. Okay. So the time is right. So on Monday, David says to me two weeks ago, he says, why don't you share a little bit about Armenia's spiritual history and the prophetic significance. So I shared this. And this is something that the people could resonate with. We've been traveling and spending a lot of time praying about the Isaiah 19 highway. Isaiah 19 has a prophecy where it talks about God destroying the gods of Egypt. And at the end, it's, he says, Egypt, my people, Assyria, the work of my hand, and Israel, my inheritance. There will be a, a highway built between Egypt and Assyria. Assy and I'm not, I don't mean Syria, I mean Assyria, which is this whole region. The time of the prophecy, Isaiah, when he saw this prophecy, the kingdom of Assyria was as big as all of this. Okay, it spanned Turkey, Georgia, Azerbaijan, Armenia, parts of Iran, Iraq, Syria, Jordan, parts of Saudi Arabia, Lebanon, all of that. So there's going to be a bridge or a highway built. And people from Assyria will worship in Egypt. People from Egypt will worship in Assyria. And Israel will be the third. And there will be a highway between them. And this highway will be a blessing to all the nations. We in the West have been thinking and been conditioned to think about the gospel, the kingdom of God being a personal relationship with Jesus. How many of you here have a personal relationship with Jesus? Right? Amen. Without that, we have nothing. But the kingdom of God isn't about personal relationships only. It is about God redeeming the whole world through the families of this world. So when he came here, when we look at this picture, the, the whole story of humanity restarts with the flood. When God destroyed the earth 
the inhabitants of the earth, and there was a flood, the first thing that happened was that the ark of Noah landed on Mount Ararat. Now notice the pin is not within the borders of Armenia. Because the mountain today is not in Armenia. And for a lot of people, that's a shock. Armenians always associate the mountain with Armenia. As a matter of fact, the Armenian coat of arms, historically, always had the mountain in it. This is during the Soviet period, where the Armenian uh, Soviet state had the emblem of the ark, in its, uh, of the mountains in its coat of arms. This is today's coat of arm. Notice the eagle and the, the lion. And there it is, the mountain. Not just the mountain, but what's on top of it? The ark. So it's in Armenian's psyche. It is in the Armenian soul that the mountain of Ararat is the heart of the Armenian people. Turkey, who possesses the land of the mountain today, doesn't look at it that way. They look at it as religious folly. And no, you don't need to think that way. So back to the map. The ark lands on Mount Ararat. And God makes a covenant with Noah. Noah's wife, Noah's three sons, and their three wives. Eight people land in the ark. There's so much we can talk about that. I can spend the next five weeks talking about things from Genesis 6, 7, and 8. And how they relate to us today. You know I love the book of Genesis, right? That's why. Anyway, different story. So the first covenant with humanity is here. And in this covenant, God tells Noah, go forth and multiply. He reestablishes the covenant with Adam. God works in layers. He starts off with the whole, says the big picture, zooms in, restates the big picture as it relates now to the zoomed in, zooms in even more so that the inside core relates to the outside shell so that all of it is in line. You'll follow what I mean. So as, as life continues on the planet, they become idol worshippers again. How did that happen? Well, the heart of humanity, even Noah and his children, were all sinful. They weren't just brand new as Adam was without sin. Sin was there from Adam and it came through the ark. Next thing that happens is he makes a covenant with Abraham. He calls Abraham out, Genesis chapter 12. And he says, Abram, I will bless you and make you a blessing. And through you, I will bless all the people of the world. No, all the nations of the world. So God is thinking nations that are made up of individuals. So he goes on and he established another covenant in Mount Sinai. Wait, that's not in Sinai. No, it's not. It's on the border of Jordan and Saudi Arabia. That's where the mountain of God is that he met with Moses. And there, now he, this is a global covenant. All humanity, I will never judge again with water. This is a family covenant. And this covenant... He restates this covenant's points. He is telling Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to choose you out of the world because you have not worshipped idols. All the others have. And I will establish you so that I can bless the nations of the world so that I can fulfill this covenant. 
you're going to be my can opener. Okay? Now, Abraham does his thing, and he has Ishmael, but the covenant was meant to be fulfilled through the bloodline of the promised child, Isaac. Israel has its own, uh, Israel and his family have their own promises now that God has given. And that's the promises to the Muslim, and, excuse me, the Arab world. And he's doing that through Abraham's other son. But now he's zeroing in on Isaac. And Isaac's family, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob's family, Jacob has changed his, God changes his name to, from Jacob to Israel. Now they are in the wilderness here, and there's a famine, and where, does, where do they go? Egypt. And now they're in Egypt. Their son, Joseph, who was already in Egypt, saves the family. They're coming out of Egypt, and God makes a covenant with Moses, and now the family became a nation he gave them laws this is what happens within your nation you're no longer just a family of jacob or isaac or is or abraham now you have become a nation nations are nothing more than families that have grown very big to possess the land and as a matter of fact god says this about nations From one ancestor, he made all peoples to inhabit the whole earth. Who's the ancestor? Noah, after the flood. From one ancestor, he's the father of all humanity. As a matter of fact, that's why Armenians always joke. They say there's only two types of people in the world. Armenians, or who, those who don't know they are Armenians yet. Because everybody comes from the ark. Anyway, forgive us Armenians for making these jokes. He allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live so that they would search for God. So there's a plan. Countries, right? Look at it from here. He's talking about here nations. He's talking about descendants of one ancestors, which is what? Families. But families that grow to possess a land... That land has borders and times. You with me so far? So far, so good. Though he's not far from each of one of us. And Paul brings it right back to the personal. When the people individually touch God and they touch his heart, they become totally connected with him. There's one other verse that I want to bring to your attention, though. Here he's talking about times and boundaries. This is always fun to look at. Look at all these nations' boundaries. Here we have Iceland, huge. Norway, Sweden, Finland, Portugal, and so on you go. Some of them look like things. Some of them are just blobs of land. Armenia is unique in that it has the face. We've seen this picture before. So how does God determine the times and the boundaries? Is he just random? No, he's not. There's another verse that he told Moses when Israel was coming out of Egypt and they were going into the promised land. He told him that the land that I've given Abraham, which is from one river to the sea, from north to south, east and west, that land... If when you're living on that land, 
you live according to my promises and my ordinances and my laws, you will live fine. But it, you shall keep my statutes and commit none of these abominations. Either the native born or the alien who resides among you, for the inhabitants of the land who were before you committed all these abominations and the land became defiled. Before you came in Abraham's family into the land of Canaan, the Canaanites that were living there. Remember there were seven ites, the Amalekites, the Perizzites, and so forth, Jebusites. They were living on the land and they committed abominations. In other words, they committed sins that defiled the lands. They worshipped idols, they sacrificed children, they committed sexual idolatry and, and, and uh, abominations. They killed each other. They shed innocent blood, all of which they broke covenant, all of which defiles the land. And when the land is defiled, it vomits you out. So now in Israel, you heard about that concert that happened before the attack? There was a big, huge celebration many nights the people of Israel today are realizing that they committed abomination on that land because they were worshiping Baal on the land of Israel this is both Christians and non-messianic Christians are now realizing that their young people committed idolatry on the land and that opened the door wide for the attack so they're together coming to repentance that's pretty heavy So, God determines the boundaries based on the people's heart. So, Armenia's borders today that look like this have been determined by God because of Armenia's behavior, not because of Soviet and Ottoman Empire conversations and dialogue that they determined that this is the boundary. It was determined because of the Armenian people's defiling of the land through sin that opens the door for the enemy to attack that allows God to redraw the boundaries based on the people's righteousness with a remnant or not and there's times that nations don't exist at all like Israel did not exist after the first century there was no nation called Israel on the map because of the abomination of what they had done and it took many hundreds of years before they were back in the land. Now you can argue, did they come back because of God's wisdom and God's timing? Or did they force themselves? Guaranteed. Nobody can force themselves and establish a nation. God allows it and God draws the map again. And it was 900 years that Armenia had no land. From the 10s, 11th century on, there was no land called Armenia. It was just lost. But God brought it back. So when we look at this map, we realize, we realize some of the other things. It's surrounded by nations that are not following God in the same way that we understand following God means. And some of you have seen this picture. I've shown this before. Armenia as the beautiful young girl. And it's interesting because when we were there, some people, prophetic people, had pictures of how God was now kissing Armenia. And while we were there, the unveiling happened. We had no idea. I knew, Silva knew, but the rest of Watchmen didn't quite understand. I shared with them these pictures of the, the map. I shared with them the ark 
of landing on Mount Ararat. I shared how that means that, you know, when we look at the map and we look at this uh, landing of the, the ark and the covenant that God has made with Noah, with Abraham, and with Moses, and then he comes back. After he's made the covenant with Moses, now they're a nation. He establishes them as the kingdom. By the way, when they made this covenant down here with Moses, what was the covenant? I am going to make you a nation of priests so that you can worship me in the wilderness and in the desert and in the new land so that the people around you, the nations around you, would find me. They were meant to be a, a can opener yet again. They're now, as a nation, supposed to be a priesthood. As a matter of fact, God says to them, you're going to be a ro royal priesthood. But what happened when Moses was on the mountain getting these words? What did they do? They made a golden calf. And they worshipped it. And God says, I'm going to destroy them. Even that one remnant that I picked from the nations can't keep it together. So he pulls out those that kept it together. And who were they? One out of the 12 tribes, and it was called the tribe of Levi. And out of the Levites, we have the Levites and the priests. The Cohens, the priests, the sons of one of the Levites, Aaron, became the tribe of priests. And the other tribe that became a tribe of kings was the kingly First it started with the tribe of Dan, with Saul, but then God made a covenant with the tribe of Judah because of their son David. So they come back here now, and Judah's son David, God makes a covenant with him on this mountain, and he allows his son, Solomon, to build the temple. So we've gone from one mountain to the other mountain, from a global to a family to a nation, to a royal priesthood, and God is continuing the plan to bring the whole of humanity back. So now he takes a small group of people, 320, and brings them back to Armenia, not knowing what they're going to face. The painting is on the wall, but it's covered. And while we're there, they begin to discover. The first thing they discovered is that this Armenia has had a lot of tears. We had a meeting on the first day, Monday, with some Armenian leaders and some of the leaders from the nations. And we asked a couple of them to share their heart. Do you remember Peter Shushan, the couple that had gone to Turkey to marry? They have now come back to Armenia. They've established a house of prayer, a cafe, and a school of ministry. And Shushan's dad shares... And he opens his heart and he says, in Revelation 21, verse 4, God promises that when we get there, he will wipe away every tear. And we as a nation have had many tears. Some of you here have had tears in your life. Some of you have had to leave country to come to Canada. You've had tears. Some of you have had marriages that have blown up you've had tears. Some of you have had businesses that have blown up, you've had tears. Some of you have had health problems, you've had tears. Some of you have had situations that are just insane. It shouldn't happen to anybody. Injustice, 
You've had tears. You are not unfamiliar with tears. So he shares all that. And then another pastor gets up and he shares about the pain and where these tears have come from in the last 125 years. The Armenian genocide. And how today, the things that have been happening with Azerbaijan remind them of those things that have happened with the genocide. And uh, Silva and I had a chance to visit the Armenian Genocide Memorial with one person from Singapore. And while we were there, we went down into the museum and the museum has expanded from just the genocide of the early 1900s to now they've added more sections. And it looks like it's exactly the same continuation of the story of what's been happening with the Azeris. On that day, that was just the three of us. The next day, there were six of us. It was just before the gathering even started on Sunday. Uh, this man from Singapore is a former Supreme Court just, uh, judge. And the Lord had given him prophetic declarations to speak over Armenia, over the mountain, over the region. So we went there. We walked around the, the genocide memorial seven times backwards. In other words, we were trying to turn the clock back. It was some simple, silly, prophetic act. But we walked quietly, each of us pri privately praying in our hearts. And the third, seventh time, we blew the shofar. Not a physical shofar, but we blew the declarations that the Lord had given him. We spoke them out loud. There was nobody else around that at that time. So we had the memorial just to ourselves. And then two other people from Singapore showed up. And they walked with us that last seven times. And uh, it's as though the Lord was taking back the clock. The, the genocide memorial, for those of you that don't know, is made up of 12 different slabs of stone representing each of the provinces that have been lost in the genocide in Western Armenia. And in the middle, there's a fire, a flame, an eternal flame. And uh, we went outside and we walked. We went inside and we prayed. We went through the museum. The next day, we went to what's called Etchmiadzin, which is the Holy See, the Vatican, if you will, of the Armenian Church in Armenia. And if you've never seen it, it's quite interesting. You know what this is? This is the first king of Armenia that declared the nation in 301 AD to be a Christian nation. Now, I always had issues with that. How can a nation be Christian? People have to be Christian. But that's my thinking as a Western person. But when I went through the scriptures, I realized God is indeed looking for nations to be discipled. Matthew 28. He is looking for nations to come into the covenant like he promised Moses that Israel would be a blessing to the nations. Like he promised Abraham that Israel, he would bless him so that he would be blessings. Abraham would be a blessing to all the nations. He promised the same thing to Noah. So he's fulfilling the promises by nations coming into alignment with his kingdom. And the first one to do that in 301 was the Armenian king, King Dertadis. Dertad Takavor. So he's here, and in front of him is the priest. Who's the priest? The Parthian, Gregory, the illuminator. And this is a reminder that the, the joining of these two, and notice it is basically a marriage 
of Parthians and Armenians. Persians and Armenians. Interesting. So Iran and Armenia have a real key role in the last days. Iran is the fastest growing church in the world today under the oppression of Islamist extremism. Interesting. So in the middle here you see the cross and the king and the priest are standing there watching over this church. Now is there false idolatry in the church? Isn't there false idolatry in every church, including City River? What? We don't know about it. We don't want to do it. But we have customs and traditions that we have accepted because of how we have gotten to where we are that are false. We pray that God remove them from us. But there are things that in this church are true, in the Echmiadzin church, that are true. And there are things that are false. We in the Protestant church are very quick to see the things that are false. But they are very quick also to see the things that are false in us, that we are blind to. So we move past all that. What I said at the beginning is we accept anybody who accepts Jesus as to be the Son of God and the Savior of the world. We identify as one with them. So as we walk through these th gates, we go in and we see the church in the back. And we couldn't go into the church in the back here because it's under construction. It's been closed for three years. They're renovating it. I don't know what they're doing, but they're renovating it. Anyway, there's so much to share. It was nine days on the ground, but they felt like nine years because of the way that the Lord unveiled. So I told you the pastor shared about every tear being wiped, and that gave me hope for Armenia. It gave me hope for each of you that I know your stories, and I know your tears. Some of you, I don't know some of your tears. But I prayed for you as he was sharing. As we landed in the airport, guess who picked us up? And he sends his love and he sends his greetings. Lair has been with us for many years. He's now back in Armenia. And uh, I felt, we both felt that you were with us every step of the way. As we were driving around, uh, we realized that uh, not only were you with us in spirit, but you were with us physically. Can you see the name of that street? There he is, Mr. Muscovian Vahram. He has a street named after him. And the Lord kept on encouraging us that we're not alone there. Uh, that first day that we got, I got a text message from somebody else. Tamar was with us. Some of you may remember Sam and Tamar Albarian who, was, who were with us. They were pastoring the Armenian Evangelical Church for 12 years. And then they came and stayed with us for a year before they moved to Marseille. So we had a wonderful time with Tamar. She was there ministering to children. And God has opened the door for her with her music ministry and her children's ministry and women's ministry. Amazing things have been happening. And then we went to visit with Peter. Remember Peter? Shushan, the couple we married. Peter, the Lord has put on his heart to start a business. And the business is a cafe. Sorry, a coffee shop. They don't call it a cafe for Armenia for some, in Armenia for some reason. It's called... Altar, altar, because the first altar after the flood was in Armenia, at the foot of Mount Ararat, and they called it Altar Cafe, and uh, I'm sorry the, the picture is so bad out of focus, but you can see here, this is the main entrance, you come down a few steps, right here there's a door, that's the secret door, not so secret, it's the house of prayer. So it's a coffee shop, 
attached to a house of prayer and it entertains, entertains, it, ent- it has become the number one cafe, coffee shop, in Yerevan. According to different ratings and so forth, it's ranked right up at the top and people now come and spy what are they doing, what can we do, learn from them and so forth. Uh, they have a very interesting menu. A lot of new flavors, not flavors, but expressions of coffee that they have made that are prophetic. Uh, one is called, uh, what, what was it called? One looked like uh, the palms of Palm Sunday. And the coffee, you know how they, the, the baristas make the, yeah, the, the, the foam? This one is looking like the leaves of palms that are all around the outside of the cup. And it's meant to tell a story. So when people buy the coffee, they don't know. They now have, the staff, or most of them, are, if not all of them, are believers. So they, they tell the people. They have a nice little sign that says, love God, love people, love coffee. And uh, they, they, they've come up with amazing recipes for new soups and new cookies and do different things like that. And each of them, their heart is to tell people and connect people to God. So each one of them has a story. Anyway, uh, there's so much more to tell. The Singaporeans were really, uh, I should tell you this. There were 33 people from Egypt that came out of the 320. That's more than 10%. And they came, thanks to you guys, for sending me to Egypt and trusting that this is God, even though I wasn't doing anything when I go to Egypt. I would go with David to Egypt, and I would sit with them, with them at these houses, and we'd laugh and joke around. Egyptians love to joke, even in the worst situations. They love to make light of things. So we would sit around, and my jokes were from the 1970s. Some, before some of them were even born. And they would laugh at them because they would remember their parents saying them, but they don't know them anymore. But somehow, what they felt was Jesus' love through me for them. And they said, you've come and stood with us all these times. How can we not come stand with you when we're going to your country? So they've come to Armenia, 33 of them. 31 from Lebanon, half of which were Armenians. Amazing. They came to stand together with the Armenians, the Lebanese, to come to Armenia. Some of them came with songs that God had given them and they released at the gathering. Amazing heart. And uh, the Egyptians, thank you, the Egyptians, there's a couple that no matter where we go, God gives them a key to the heart of the people there. So this couple, Daniel and Heidi, the Lord spoke to them to make handkerchiefs. Tashkinag, right? Not this one, but this is an old blue one. But they made these handkerchiefs and they brought them. And when they, they weren't at that meeting where Shushan's dads shared about the tears. But we heard and we knew what was going on. The Egyptians came to stand with Armenia to wipe her tears. So they brought a handkerchief and gave it up to everybody. And Armenian and non-Armenian. And uh, it was just amazing. Uh, I'm going to wrap up with this. As, yeah, the Singaporeans, there was 23 Singaporeans that came. Another amazing number. There was 37 countries represented at the gathering uh, with the 320 people that came. And the, uh, the Singaporeans came to Armenia because the first church ever built in Singapore was the Armenian St. Gregory Apostolic Church. 
The first newspaper ever printed in Singapore and distributed was printed by Armenians. The first hotel built in Singapore was built by Armenians. The flower of, the Armen uh, of Singapore was one that was uh, hybridized and made by an Armenian. So they knew that they have to come to Armenia to say thank you. The Chinese had come to Armenia not knowing, and then they discovered later, that the first Chinese language Bible translation was made by an Armenian. So all of a sudden, all these nations are finding the unveiling of this country. This small group of people that have three million on the land and seven more million scattered around the world, and here we are, a small bunch of them. God has a plan for every nation. It doesn't matter what your nation is. It doesn't matter how small, how big. He has a plan for every family of the world. These families, some of them are big. Some of them may be just you living alone in your home. You're part of that. So he's trying to bring it all together. We've been to many gatherings where we've seen weather manifest the pleasure of God. Whether it's all of a sudden there's a blanket of snow outside when it was all nice and warm before we met. We finished a meeting and we step outside. It's still warm, but there's a blanket of snow. We've been in other places where there's lightning and thunder for like five, ten minutes. <laughs> crazy, crazy, crazy thunder and lightning show. And then it's nice and sunny again. This time, people as they were leaving started to see the expression of God's love. This place where the rainbow was first seen. I have never seen a rainbow that's full circle. But they've seen, as they were flying out, double rainbows. If you want to say three, there were rings of rainbows that they saw in the clouds. And another one here. It's mind-boggling. It is crazy, isn't it? You can see the three. I mean, if, if we kill the lights, you can see it even better. But it, they were seeing it and they were overwhelmed at the faithfulness of God to put his seal of approval about what happened. We had taken up an offering before we went. Uh, we actually weren't planning on taking up an offering before we went because we were hoping that we would do some research and figure out how we can be partnered. We were thinking about helping the people of Artsakh and what was happening with them. And uh, before we left, the total was, I think, just under $5,000 Canadian. So we translated that into American because they needed American dollars to buy the, uh, what they were buying. There was a project that we identified. And Craig and Joyce Simonian, who were from New Jersey, have been in Armenia for five and a half years. The Lord put on their hearts to buy coats for the displaced people of Artsakh, especially for the young children and teenagers. And they were averaging about $30 a US a coat, correct? They got a better deal because the numbers started to increase. They were looking at doing 500 and the money started to come in and they were past the 500 mark, so they're buying even more. So it used to be $30 for coats for children. It's now dropped, I think, between 25 and 28, depending on the final quantities. But all our funds went to that, so you can be sure that this winter, is, it was getting cold while we were there. The young children are now going to have coats on their backs and have a, a safe and warm winter. So thank you, City River, for that. Uh, we also delivered. Uh, we had taken up an offering in 2019. And then COVID hit. I was trying to, uh, we were hoping to be able to be there in February of 2020. 
But with COVID, none of that happened. So we took the money with us this time as well and delivered it for that church that was in Hirastan that had gone through the fire. They've since rebuilt, but we put the money back into their hands and uh, now they're going to use it in different ways to help the people in their communities. Moving forward, they have had such an outpouring of support for the people of Artsakh that now the people and the ministry and the funding that's going for relief support has overwhelmed them. They need support for other things now, for sustainable development. And that was what was on our heart, to be able to do something that was going to land with them to, to see a community change over the span of three to five years. So we're still on track for that. Alexi is going to be heading that and bringing us back more information as we look at how we can develop that. But there's such opportunities for help. Spontaneously, the people that had come came with gifts. They came with so many gifts. Uh, the Singaporeans, they came with multiple gifts. They came with gifts specifically to indicate how they feel Armenia's role is. And they gave three rings, titanium rings, with a picture of a lion. Uh, I have one here. They gave one, they brought three. So they determined, this is the young man on the left here who had been given the, uh, the, the idea of making rings. So they determined within themselves that they would give one to an Armenian in Armenia. Armen. Armen is originally from Artsakh. When he came into this meeting, he was very sad looking. He was broken. He and his family escaped. They all made it out. But they lost so many of their friends and family. So he didn't know what he was coming into. He didn't know what to expect. But when he came in, he saw the love. He saw the people's touch. He felt Christ in every one of the meetings and he started to change. His daughter was with him. His daughter just was embraced by Daniel Kim's daughter. Same age, same height, just they became friends. And you would see them dancing together during worship, holding each other's hands and just swirling, dancing, hugging, sitting on the floor, taking selfies, you know, making all those young people things. And they just wouldn't separate from each other. This young man's daughter, the day after when they, we finished on Friday, at breakfast we see her and she's sad. I want my friends. I want my friends. And now she had made connection with all the little kids that were there, Shushan and Peter's friend, kids and all the other children, they had connected. And now they're being separated. Armin has made a video. I don't know if we're going to have a chance to play it now, but maybe at another point. The other person they gave it to is somebody from a pastor from outside Armenia, myself. And they wanted to give the third one to a new expression of church that is happening in Armenia. And that was the house of uh, coffee, I was going to say. The house of prayer and cafe. And uh, a lot of other gifts ended up going to the house of prayer because it's a central place. And anybody that visits can see it. So there were paintings, there were crowns, there were uh, little Limoges jewelry boxes, you name it, a whole bunch of different things. The, the, the Malaysians came with an envelope with 10,000 US dollars. We had an offering taken up. And now we have the problem of trying to figure out how to dispense this money in an effective way. So we're trying to see, there's still money coming in, so we don't have a total yet. This is at watchman level. 
Uh, but I'll keep you posted on how we can be partnered with that, how we can do things. So there's so much that the Lord did. And uh, I want to thank you again for trusting us, for praying for us, for being with us, for your support financially, and the impact that it's having. More than anything else, the change that we saw in the lives of people, the Armenian people, all of a sudden they realized when they had shared the two pastors in that first session about the tears of Armenia, five or six Messianic Jewish leaders came, stood in front of all the Armenians and said, as they came to their knees, we want to ask your forgiveness for two things. For our country not having recognized the Armenian genocide, and that's wrong. All these years, we've made a lot of noise about the Holocaust, but we didn't recognize the Armenian genocide. We're sorry. We recognize it as Christians. We recognize it as Jewish people in the whole country, not just Messianic Christian Jews. And the second thing is we want to ask your forgiveness for our government's decision to send weapons to Azerbaijan and support Azerbaijan in this war against Armenia. We're sorry. This is not our heart, but it's a political decision that our Israel made because of its relationship to Turkey and Azerbaijan related to Iran and some of the other political dynamics. Our government did it to save the country, but we know we don't need that. So forgive us for those two things. And the Armenians came, knelt before them, cried with them, hugged each other. And it started that way. It took us by surprise because that wasn't why we were thinking we were going to go to Armenia. But the Lord shifted it. And truly that picture of the unveiling Armenia painting happened. And everything that happened for the next four or five days was people connecting with their, you know, the joke, Armenians and those that don't know they're Armenians, all of a sudden the nations realized their spiritual roots to that land going back to Noah. We went to Hordvirab, some people went down into the pit and standing outside somebody had a dove. We released the dove and we, we saw, the Egyptians brought another gift, they brought feathers, white feathers, like dove feathers and they gave them out to everybody to take home as a symbol of the rebirth of what God is doing amongst the nations coming through Armenia. I've never seen any other gathering uh, as intense and as shifting as this. So the Armenians felt seen again. They felt not abandoned again. They felt that they have been heard and they have been felt and their pain has been felt by the others. So again, thank you and thank God for that. Uh, how does this relate to all of what we are experiencing? If you read the scriptures of today, the first a couple of scriptures in Ezekiel specifically he talks about I myself will search for their sheep and will seek them out so it's as though he is seeking the Armenian sheep that have been scattered and many of you Armenians have been scattered all across the globe from Singapore planting churches and newspapers and other things as shepherds seek out their flocks when they are among their scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep. It's as though the Lord has made this scripture come alive on this trip for us. And we have tasted it. I'm confident that that's not the end of the story, but just the beginning. So prepare yourself. We may all be going to Armenia at some time soon. And the Lord may be... Thank you for that, Ari. 
and it's perfect timing because I think it has to end on this. It has to end on the hope that we see in the next generation. Right? And as we, we wrap this up, I want to invite you to the same place. I want to invite you to stand with me and to receive hope for whatever your circumstances are. If God can in a few days change the heart of a nation, yes, it wasn't the whole nation. It was just maybe 30, 40 different people that came from Armenia. But if God can do that through us coming together as one family of nations, standing in his presence and worshiping him, he can do the same in your circumstances. Right? Beautiful timing. Let's stand and let's pray. Father, I thank you for the responsibility you have put on us as City River to be a congregation that touches nations. Lord, a number of years ago, we had prophetic people come through here and tell us that God has dispensed nation angels into this congregation. We believed it then. We believe it now. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing and what you will continue to do. So may you be blessed, Lord, by our obedience. May you be blessed by our yes. May you be blessed by our heart to follow after you, even when we don't know what we're doing. And Lord, as I mentioned earlier, earlier, if there's anything in us that needs cleansing, cleanse it out. Make us aware of it so that we can come to you pure, innocent, unblemished in everything that we do. Give us a heart, Lord. The end of today's scriptures in Matthew, you talk about the heart to help the poor, those in prison, those sick. Give us a heart, Lord, to be able to minister to the least among us, so that in so doing we can minister to you. Bless this congregation, Lord. Bless each one of us now as we depart from here. May your peace, your strength, your goodness be visible in our lives and through our lives and the people around us. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful week. More to come next week as we come together for communion. Bless you all.